It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, October 16th. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Yakutat has reported a new case of the coronavirus. The individual was tested on Thursday at the Yakutat Community Health Center. State public health officials have started contact tracing. According to a press release from Yakutat's COVID-19 Incident Command, quote, the origin of the spread is unknown at this time. This is the first confirmed case in Yakutat in three weeks and the only active case. In total, the city and borough has reported nine cases since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to data from local officials. If Alaskans fail to sign the envelopes of their absentee ballots this year, they won't have a chance to fix it under a court ruling issued Thursday. Anchorage Superior Court Judge Andrew Guidi rejected a request that the state quickly notify voters if they fail to sign or provide identifying information on their mailed ballots. He said that wouldn't follow state law. I don't believe the court has any more wisdom and you know, probably less than the elected representatives of the citizens of the state. Quidi says there is nothing in state law that requires a chance to fix these mistakes. The law gives the state's Division of Elections 60 days after votes are certified to notify voters that their ballots weren't counted. Kevin Feldis, the plaintiff's lawyer, notes that roughly 500 voters have not had their votes counted in previous elections because they didn't fill out the envelopes correctly. He argues that people in the same position this year will be irreparably harmed and disenfranchised. Feldis also notes that Anchorage and Juneau allow voters to fix errors in municipal elections. More than twice as many Alaskans have requested mail-in ballots than in any previous election. Assistant Attorney General Lyle Harrison says the plaintiffs failed to provide the details that would have been needed for Guidi to rule in their favor. She says they wanted the judge to write a new law, which is the legislature's job. Guidi rejected the argument that the way the state would apply the law would disenfranchise voters. Ultimately, if a voter fails to comply with those requirements, It's the voter who disenfranchises him or herself, not the state. Voters have until October 24th to apply for an absentee ballot. The Heinz Family Foundation announced the winners of the 25th annual Heinz Awards on Tuesday, and the director of the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association was among them. Sitka's Linda Bankin was one of seven individuals honored with the prestigious award, which includes a $250,000 unrestricted cash prize. KCAW's Erin McKinstry sat down with Bankin to learn more about how her work as a sustainable fisheries advocate has led to national recognition. When I arrive at the log cabin that Linda Bankin and her husband built themselves, Bankin's listening in to a North Pacific fishery Management Council meeting, which is responsible for developing policy for all federal fisheries off Alaska, so outside state waters. She served on the council for nine years and has her phone at the ready in case a current council member wants to seek her advice. And that's just one of many responsibilities that Bankin shoulders. In her main job, she advocates for small fishermen and sustainable fisheries as director of the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association, or ALFA. She and her husband also commercial fish with their two kids on their 40-foot troller and longliner, the Woodstock. She's so busy that when the president of the Heinz Endowments, Grant Oliphant, tried to get in touch with her this spring, it took multiple tries. I love the fact that when I was calling her to let her know uh, about this, you know, we couldn't connect for days because she was at sea fishing. (laughs) And I, I can tell you, I haven't encountered that before. When he did reach her... Bankin said she was practically speechless and humbled. She wished she could share the recognition with coworkers, fishermen, and partner organizations. I think at one point I said, are you sure you mean me? (laughs) The Heinz Awards were created in memory of the late Senator John Heinz to honor creative individuals working to solve problems. Nominations come from a nationwide network of anonymous individuals. Bankin received this year's Environment Award. 
Oliphant says Bankin was chosen for her work with Alpha and other partners to protect the livelihoods of small fishermen, the local economies that rely on them, and the health of fisheries for future generations. So we loved the mix of thinking and doing that she embodies. And we also loved the, the willingness to work with everybody on behalf of a common good. Bankin first came to Alaska in the early 80s when she was still in college. She took the ferry up in March, and by the time she disembarked in Sitka, she knew her relationship with the place was permanent. She crewed on fishing boats for years, and then she bought her own boat in 1991. While working on the water, she started noticing things that troubled her, like giant plastic bags thrown overboard by cruise ships and large-scale fishing operations that impacted marine ecosystems. Also fished near trawlers and, you know, experienced what that was doing to the ocean. Those observations pushed Bankin to earn a graduate degree in environmental science from Yale and then start her work at Alpha. Since then, she's accomplished a lot from successfully advocating for a ban on trawling in southeast Alaska to helping establish the Alaska Sustainable Fisheries Trust, which provides training and resources for young people interested in commercial fishing, to starting Alaskans' own, a community-supported fishery that sells seafood shares around the region. Mostly what drives me is just my passion for the ocean and for small-scale fisheries and for trying to make sure there's a place for next generation of people to have the same opportunities I've had. I mean, for me, it's been a great way of life, and I just want that to be there for my kids and other people's kids. She's still not entirely sure what she'll do with the hefty cash prize, but plans to donate some to the organization she helped found and to help pay to put her two kids through college. It's been a lot of years where fishing paid for my time involved in fisheries <laughs> management, so that's a nice piece to be able to give back to my family that's, been pu- that's put up with me being gone so much and being busy so much. The large monetary award is meant to bring attention to work like Bankin's and help people recognize its social value. And it's also to help compensate for the big personal sacrifices that many people fighting for societal change have to make. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Whether you watched on TV, Zoom, or listened to the radio, this year's Alaska Federation of Natives convention was different. With the coronavirus making an in-person convention unsafe, the state's largest annual gathering of indigenous people came together virtually. KOTZ's Wesley Early reports. With no booths to browse handcrafted art pieces and attendees having to settle for virtual hugs, the 2020 Alaska Federation of Natives convention was a drier affair than usual. AFN board co-chair Anna Hoffman addressed the new format as the convention opened. Even though we're unable to meet in person this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, technology does allow us to see and hear from our members from across the state of Alaska. The theme of this year's convention is Good Government, Alaskans Decide. Bryce Edgman, Speaker of the Alaska House of Representatives, gave the keynote address. Edgman is the state's first Alaskan Native House Speaker and used his speech to remind Native listeners that they're the backbone of the state. A lot of people come and go, but there are a lot of people like us on this call um, who are here for the long run. And we constantly keep an eye on the long-term welfare of the state. Edgman listed his mentors, prominent Alaska Native legislators like Al Adams, Reggie Jewell, Frank Ferguson, and Georgiana Lincoln. And he said he expects Native leadership to continue to expand. We will have an Alaska Native governor. We'll have Alaska Native Senate president. We'll have another Alaska speaker. 
we'll have somebody in Congress and we'll have somebody in the U.S. Senate. I know that time is coming. It's just a matter of time. Edgman ended his remarks with a plea that listeners wear masks, practice social distancing, and wash their hands. COVID-19 continued to dominate the convention as listeners heard a pre-recorded message from Governor Mike Dunleavy and his wife Rose. The governor spoke of how devastating a prior pandemic, the 1918 Spanish flu, was for rural Alaska. He says that damage informed his administration's response to the current pandemic. As a result, in preparing for and battling this pandemic, rural Alaska, including our fellow Alaska natives, were not an afterthought. During the planning and execution of mitigating approaches to deal with this virus, you were, in fact, front and center. Dunleavy ended his remarks highlighting cooperation between state and rural entities in combating the pandemic. Partnership between Native health corporations, tribal leaders, village elders, and the state is a testament to our ability to set aside what divides us and work together. Senator Lisa Murkowski spoke live to convention attendees, highlighting her efforts in getting two bills signed into law, Savannah's Act and the Not Invisible Act. Murkowski sponsored the former. We've begun to make some headway on the on the matter the epidemic, truly, of missing and murdered Indigenous women. She also took a swipe at efforts to exclude Alaska Native corporations from CARES Act funding. Recently, a D.C. Circuit Court ruled that the for-profit corporations were not eligible for funds meant for tribes. Murkowski disagreed. So leaving ANCs out of the response fund in the CARES Act could disenfranchise tens of thousands of Alaska Natives. Murkowski also pushed for resource development, touting efforts in opening the National Petroleum Reserve Alaska and the 1002 section of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge to development. She took time, however, to disavow the proposed Pebble Mine project, calling it the, quote, wrong mine in the wrong place. Her position mirrors that of Senator Dan Sullivan, who has come out strongly against the mine after a video surfaced showing the CEO of the project suggesting Alaska's two Republican senators wouldn't fight it. Though occasional technical glitches prompted slight delays in panels and speeches, it didn't take away from the focus of the day, how Alaska Natives and their various governments work together. Earlier in the morning, the AFN Board of Directors honored three individuals with their annual awards. Catherine Gottlieb, former CEO of South Central Foundation, was named Citizen of the Year. The Denali Award, gifted annually to a non-Native person for their contributions, was given to Cook Inlet Tribal Council Chief Legal Officer Lisa Riger. The AFN Board also gave a special award to Alaska's Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ann Zink for her efforts in leading the state's COVID-19 response. The convention will conclude Friday evening. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Wesley Early. Raven News will broadcast another hour-long special on day two of the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention beginning at 12 p.m. today. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.